<laughs> I think you fucking won't. It'll be impossible to sink. No, I'll do it. It won't be impossible to All sink. Right. Time is linear for us, mate. <laughs> we have to line up at a point. <laughs> Just remember that when you made that gag, I laughed almost instantaneously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I sighed at the same time as you said, yeah. Yeah. When you went, yeah, I went, uh, at the same time. So there you go. Andrew, be- <laughs> this is me. <laughs> This is a message for future Oscar. Fuck off. (laughs) Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. Right before Oscar started that intro, he said, um, so it was like, um, um, welcome once again aboard And it just really threw me Because I thought he was going to say like Um are you ready to go Or something like that And he just um, like Welcome once again aboard Beef Station into it uh, Good How are you Join us as we uh, Rocket through the stars <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm, doing I'm good right. How are you Good Great I'm, I'm alright boy Thank no, you for asking You already answered that Eventually one. Fuck Um <laughs> yeah, no, uh, this is our mo- yeah, nah, uh, this is our movie podcast, of course, where every week we uh, watch and discuss a movie. Usually it was new releases at the moment, though, in the middle of this uh, COVID-19 quarantine self-isolation type period where watching old, sh- old shit on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> really not working too old. through the old back catalogue. Hey, I got a question um, for you. Do you reckon after this is all over, um, do you want to fuck? No, I was, it, um, after this is all over, do you think that... You mean this podcast episode? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you in 20 minutes. Do you think that... Uh, I reckon this goes one of two ways. I want to know if you agree. I reckon that either every single movie that we watch that's released after this thing, that's being like written now or filmed sort of during or immediately after the COVID shit, is going to have references to it in it. No. Like subtle little nods, or do you think every single person in the creative industry worldwide is just going to want to move on from this shit as fast as possible? I don't think. I don't and, like, think every single movie is going to reference it. But, you know like, what I mean? Maybe though, shit like, said in the modern day. Is, are we going to get I a little? Know. Are we going to get a little cute nod to self isolation in every movie? Or I are reckon we gonna... we're going to get a COVID nineteen rom com for sure. Right. So you, I was talking you to someone we'll just get the... one piece, one piece of media, but most media will ignore it. I was talking to someone just the other day that said they thought that'd be a cool idea for like a like a rom com TV series kind of thing, like a rom com TV series set on fucking Zoom or something. <laughs> how many uh, how many scripts do you reckon have been submitted to studios about, <laughs> about that the shit dr- in the last like three well, months? They won't know that they'll they'll open the door after they get back from this whole period of self isolation, and the they'll door like, won't open for all the scripts like that have been shoved through the, the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, this I, is I'm, our movie I'm predicting podcast. in like Marvel movies and shit the annoying nod to this. Oh this yeah, it'll be like Stan Lee, but now it's COVID nineteen yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. Fuck yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> this this is of course our movie podcast where every week we watch a movie. Uh, we won't spoil it until we give you a bit of a heads up. So if you are interested in seeing Okja after we discuss it for a little bit this week, that's the movie we're doing this week. Bong Joon Ho's Okja. Yep. Uh, comedy action adventure kind of film. That's we'll give you a bit of a heads up before we spoil it. That's there. it. We'll do a bit of a spoiler for review first. Uh, do a bit of a, a bit, bit of news, bit of business or pleasure to start off the review. And we're going to see. I'm going to call it now. We're going to see. This is going to be us calling the shots, mm-hmm. and then absolutely whacking the ball for foul in the other direction. Yep. We're going to try and keep this episode to about an hour. Yep. 
<laughs> that's what we're gonna, yeah, we're going to try and listeners right now laughing in our faces as they look at how long this episode is. You don't we're know better for, than us. You don't know us. We're going to go about an hour. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe an hour and twenty minutes. Oh, he's he's out of time there. We we talked about an hour ten. I don't know where that extra ten minutes is going. <laughs> but yeah, we'll see what we can do. Ten minutes is this fast, mate. We're going to try turning into valuable news time. <laughs> going to try and keep him a little bit short. So yeah, let's get on with it. Let's see how we go. All right, so you ready for the news, boy? I am ready. Beef bullet. Beef bullet. Uh, we said it perfectly in sync. No, we Holy did shit. not. <laughs> oh, for me, it did. <laughs> All Great. right. So, uh, first cab off the rank here is that uh, A24 mm. is auctioning off a whole bunch of famous movie props from recent uh, popular A24 oh, films. Oh, shit. That's cool. Uh, to benefit a whole bunch of charities, including uh, the New York City Fire Department and New York City Hospitals and that sort of thing. My first thought was like, oh, link me. I'd actually like think about buying some stuff of that. And then it was like, uh, oh, no, they're going to be $20,000. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, included in the list of props that you can buy as part of this auction is the big ceremonial flower dress that is worn at the end of Midsommar. Okay. Um, you can get Someone's going to buy wood- that and wear it as their wedding dress. <laughs> you can get the little wooden uh, mermaid that Robert uh, oh, that's cool. masturbates he with in the, lighthouse. in the lighthouse. That is a you weird can, one to buy. That's a good yeah, weird one to is. buy. You can get the light from the lighthouse. But okay, I can't, that's cool. I can't tell whether it's um, like to scale or whether it was like a part of a model or whatever. <laughs> you can get the light from the lighthouse. Maybe like a bulb um, or does it look like the whole fitting? No, it's like the whole. It's like the bulb with a thing on top and a thing on the bottom. Like it looks yeah, like the. That's wild. That's like the size of an oil barrel. Yeah, it. it uh, but yeah, again, like I can't tell. You can get um a, one of the skateboards that was used in mid nineties. That's sick. Um, that would be uh, cool. Some of these auctions are up at the moment. Do you know the eighth in an eighth grade the shoebox time capsule where she writes like to the coolest girl in the world? Oh, yeah, on yeah, it? yeah, yeah. You can get that shoebox. Wow. Uh, are there prices for any of these? Give us, give us prices. Uh, the shoebox is currently selling for the current bid with fifteen days left. So these are going to go up. I imagine. A while, yeah. Uh, Twelve hundred dollars at the moment. <sighs> the, the swimming goggles that Gabe wears in the pool at eighth grade. <laughs> Uh, four hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that yeah. rolls. Um, the dress for Midsummer hasn't come up, gone up yet. Those, you know, those those creepy doormats with the cult symbols on them from uh, Hereditary. Uh, no, I don't remember, but sure. It's like the, the old lady makes doormats for all the members of her weird cult. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. can get a, there's a couple of those that are on here. Okay. Uh, what else we got? Let's see if we can find some other ones. This is fun. I haven't seen Euphoria, but there's a there's a piece of clothing that one of the characters from Euphoria wears. All right. Um, those doormats are, are going for like four grand at the moment. There's one that says oh, Charles. Fuck, really? That'd be pretty fucking cool if your name was Charles. If your name was Charles. Like <laughs> fucking there, was, there was one bid for $200 <laughs> and then Charles just got in with 4000 <laughs> <laughs> There's the bear head, the bear That's mask. Sick. That's sick. That's going to go for like 20 grand. That's going to be good. And there's like a mallet and like a flower crown. There's a whole bunch of shit from Midsommar on here. Okay, um, from cool. Uncut Gems, dude, you oh. can get the golden diamond encrusted Furby. Yeah, boy, that Furby thing you can get. Um, What's it up to? Is it open yet? Oh, that, that one's that one's Fuck. not live. Yet. You you have um, to link me to that because I'm going to follow that auction. <laughs> I'm going to follow it in yeah. real time. <laughs> um, Kevin Garnett's Celtics jersey that he wears in the movie is oh, on yeah. there. That's cool. Um, like a bar, a bar, mit- bar mitzvah dress that one of the characters wears. 
and like a Lightning McQueen looking thing. But the the the, the, the pictures on this are kind of weird. It's not really very clearly displayed as to like what that one is. Okay. Um, there's some other like bling and some other weird bits of um, bits of props from from Uncut Gems. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Good shit. That's uh, cool. And, uh, a lot of the proceeds are going to charity um, for the, the auction off to raise money for the food banks and all sorts of different New York City charities. <laughs> so m- maybe there's um maybe there's all sorts of prop auctions all the time, but it's a slow news week at the moment. And that's one of the stories that I found. That's a good one. I like this one. This is cool. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Um, here's a story from NME. Quentin Tarantino got drunk with Pierce Brosnan and pitched him a James Bond movie. Former 007 actor reveals they were, quote, fairly smokered. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it was after Kill Bill Volume 2, and he wanted to meet me, so I went up to Hollywood one day for the beach, and I met with him at the Four Seasons, Pierce Brosnan recalls, during an Esquire live watch of Goldeneye. Um, some sort of live stream thing they were doing. Um, I got there at like 7 p.m. to be punctual. 7.15 came around, no Quentin. Um, <laughs> he was upstairs doing press. Someone sent me a martini, so I had a martini. He waited until about 7.30 and thought, where the heck is this guy? Word comes down, apologies. So I thought, okay, I'll have another martini. Eventually, Tarantino did arrive. Brosnan recalls being fairly smokered, and once the directors <laughs> decided to top him up, they were both fairly smokered. What Not the a fuck phrase, is fairly smokered, man? I've never Very heard that drunk, shit before in my life. Yeah. I mean, I guess it means drunk, but like, never heard he of was, it before. Uh, th- this is the controversial bit, right? Are you ready for this? Right. This is this is some shit that's going to get Tarantino in hot water. He called away to Tar- the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> Tarantino was bounding the table saying, you're the best James Bond. I want to do James Bond. And it was very and it was very close quarters in the restaurant. And I thought, please calm down. But we don't tell Quentin Tarantino to calm down. The actor continued. I don't think Pierce Brosnan's the best James Bond. That's a crock of shit. I don't have an opinion. Uh, uh, Brosnan didn't divulge any details about Tarantino's idea. They revealed that he went back to the shop and told them that Tarantino's idea wasn't meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, no. It, he, he told them about the idea, but it, n- it never came to fruition. It, right, apparently right, right, said right. it would have been a fun watch. <laughs> he, didn't, I'm sick of- he didn't kill it in the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't mind... Wouldn't mind hearing it, but then again, with all the shit that we heard about Tarantino's alleged fucking Star Trek movie that never happened, maybe there's no... Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, what else we got going on here? Uh, the Lighthouse director, Robert Eggers, has, another horror, has, has a new horror movie coming out soon called The Northman. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's got uh, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Bill Skarsgård, Willem Dafoe, Anya Taylor-Joy, and it's a 10th century Viking epic around a Nordic prince who sets out to avenge his murdered father. So okay. it's fucking Hamlet with 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 Skarsgård. With Vikings, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, right? Uh, it could be pretty um, good. There was a, a live stream event for World Health Day as part of all these COVID-19 live streams that are, that are happening. Kieran Kieran Knightley went on the live stream. Yep, uh, and played yesterday by the Beatles on her teeth. You've got me. What the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> well, she she's like, like I don't know, like tapping or flicking on her I, teeth I, or something. I, I know she's British, and I know that they actually have piano keys for teeth. But she's like she's like flicking, she's like clicking her teeth with her fingernails. 
Hello, um, I'm Kira Knightley and I am here for Hope From Home and I was trying to think of something entertaining to do and I couldn't think of anything so I'm going to play my teeth which is my one and only party trick. Uh, here's Yesterday by The Beatles. I can't, I can't do the noise, but needless to say, I just tried and it's very difficult. Oh, God. I'm assuming there's a recording of it. Let's, well, mm-hmm. we, I'll, I'll pipe in the audio of that if I can. See if we can. Um, last one. Christopher Nolan will have Tenet ready to open on July 17th unless theatres are closed. Yep, bro. So, that's very ambitious of you. Yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs> okay. Um, Fellas, I'm wanna- ready to go. Warner Brothers is apparently, surprise, surprise, eager to get Christopher Nolan's tentpole into the... Into, oh. <laughs> eager to get Christopher <laughs> Nolan's tentpole into global theatres, even if they're half full. Tent, Mate, by the, tent the number pole, of times I've tenet. tried to stuff my tentpole in somewhere that's half full, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. It, it hasn't gone what happened? very profitably for uh, me. Okay, right. Uh, so, yeah, no, Christopher Nolan's movie's not coming out. Okay, yeah, ever. On July 17th, yeah, Warner Brothers is quoted as saying, "We would, we'd, we'd, l- we'd love the money." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, especially since it's like right in the middle of summer. So that'd, we that'd want be, the money. <laughs> That's what they said. Yeah, I'm very keen to see this movie. I had kind of forgotten that it was coming out and that it was going to be inevitably one of these movies that is going to be delayed. Yeah, which is a shame. Um, yeah, like like I imagine they would like it says here that he was like accelerating the editing schedule to. Uh, make sure that it was going to be finished on time. So it must be frustrating that now all this shit's been delayed. But that's probably the same for all these a whole bunch of movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. have a don't have a whole lot of uh, sympathy for the rich guy, but it sucks for most of the people producing the movie. I guess <laughs> if they're like yeah. if the VFX dudes crunched on it and then it didn't come out, that sucks. Yeah, uh, dudes and do that's. Yeah, what have you got? Excuse Anything me. else? Um, that's that's probably oh one one last headline. All right, close one it. Last one. I think, I think this has been pretty good. Um, Clutch or kick. Darren Aronofsky says his Batman film got scrapped because he wanted to cast Joaquin Phoenix and the studio didn't. <laughs> <laughs> as as uh, as Batman, right? Uh, yeah, as Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is funny. Uh, for I'd say I'm gonna say two reasons. <laughs> One is, and not many people know this, Walking Phoenix is a giant bat. Good shit. Okay. Um, Funny yeah. name. Okay. He was apparently set to do a Batman movie in the early noughties, and it didn't go ahead. Uh, the studio wanted to cast Freddie Prince Jr.? I don't know who that is. Me neither. Hold on, let's look up Freddie Prince Jr. All right. Listeners, you do it too. All right. He's an American actor. Oh, I know that guy. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he was in Scooby-Doo as Frank. <laughs> Frank from Scooby-Doo? No, maybe as not, fucking no, Fred, 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 Fred. Fred, yeah, Frank. Not Frank. Nah, I, I'm, it's a no yeah, for why me. Did I think, why did I think Frank? His name is actually Fred. I don't know. Very, very weird. He was Fred, wasn't he? Yeah. He was Fred. He was she's Fred. all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's a no <clears> for me. <throat> I gotta watch that original Scooby Doo live action movie again, man. I think uh, <laughs> you must be the only one that has positive memories associated with that fucking movie. Yeah, well, it uh, it made two hundred and seventy five million dollars at the box office, so <laughs> tell it to the money. Must be very frustrating to be like, no, Walking Phoenix will never 
be in a successful Batman movie. Yeah. Mark my word. Well, I wonder if they killed it because it was a Batman movie or if they killed it because they didn't want to cast Joaquin Phoenix. Because if they killed it because <laughs> it was a Batman movie, Batman Begins came out in like 2006, I think. Uh, 2005. Uh, yeah, like, so a, like a bit later. A mere yeah. three exactly. years. So, a mere three Nolan years was later. The next one that, yeah. yeah. He, someone pulled it off and did incredibly well with it. So, like, they would have been shitting yeah. their pants about having, like, passed over the opportunity to do a Batman movie. <laughs> like, when Joker comes out, they're like, I guess we were wrong about uh, <laughs> just the whole of it, right? All yeah. of it. Because <laughs> he, he was just the dude from Gladiator at the time, I guess, right? They're like, Crazy, the angry guy from Gladiator, really? Yeah, you maybe. You want him to be Batman? Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know enough about his chronology. Yeah, don't know. Uh, in any case, all right, cool. That's, that's the, the news. Uh, that's all the news I got, boy. As they say, that's our lightning round news segment. That's the news. Okay, cool. So later on in this podcast, we're gonna have a little bit of. Uh, uh, now, don't rush me, Oscar. <laughs> as you oh, said last is episode, that, is but, this what this is like? But we're gonna have a bit of. Uh, we're gonna take care of some. Uh, we're gonna do some, do some, do some deals. Mm-hmm. Take care of some, uh, some beefness. Yeah, I got a blazer that I'm gonna put on at about the halfway mark. Oh yeah, you better, you better get that tie <laughs> on. I'm gonna don a cravat, <laughs> uh, and we'll do some beefness. But first, but as is custom, before <laughs> we do the beefness, <laughs> we gotta enjoy ourselves. Business. Pleasure. Business. Pleasure. have you been watching and i feel like i feel like before we started this we were explicitly talking about this and you said i don't have anything so <laughs> i'm keen to throw to you no yeah i said i have something I got oh something. you said you got one thing okay no cool yeah, yeah. sorry little something all right what do you got what are do you, you got? familiar okay so this is this is quite possibly the most fucking oscar ass movie yep that i've ever watched yep are you familiar with the 18-minute-long folk song, Alice's no. Restaurant? No, I'm not. All right, so... Um, and funnily enough, is... before you said what it was called, I knew the answer was not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this, this was a very popular movie in the late 60s. It's, the movie is called that I watched a couple of weeks ago now. It's called Alice's Restaurant. Okay. Um, and it's a big, long rambly shaggy dog story told in this in the in the style of like a talking kind of kind of folk song satirical um, talking blues song by singer songwriter Arlo Guthrie it's Arlo Guthrie Alice's son Restaurant of Massacre Woody Guthrie. usually That's known it. as Alice's Restaurant okay yeah so he go he, he goes he, it, it's a lot of like this is a song about Alice's Restaurant and the thing about the restaurant that was that it was down the road from the church and, and when I went like into the church and it's like that but for 18 minutes over the top of yeah, it yeah 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 and, and, and he, he does this like he does this like complicated ass guitar part while he's just talking over it for like 18 minutes and it's right. really impressive but I got into it because someone was showing me this guitar part in any case I listened to the song and the song is a great story Okay. About him getting arrested for dumping rubbish on the side of the road and eventually getting involved in the Vietnam draft. Yeah, and so it does at say some it's a, point, it's a deadpan draft protest song. Yeah, and the, at some point in the last, uh, in the late sixties, they adapted 
the song and the story that's told in the song into a movie. Right. The movie's called Alice's Restaurant. It came out in 1969, and nice. it stars Arlo Guthrie as himself. Okay. Um, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like a late sixty, like a sixties kind of blues brothersy kind of movie. Okay. It's, I, I don't think I don't think it's as good as the Blues Brothers, but it's kind of a it's kind of a, a, a screwball, shaggy dog kind of story where nothing much happens. It's this wacky cast of characters that go on this dumb, twisty, turny kind of adventure for about about two hours. Um, but it was I, I think it was a, a reasonably iconic film, and it was popular when it came out. All right. Um, it's. So it's directed uh, by Arthur Penn, and I haven't really heard of anything else that he's done before. No, I, I think that the, maybe maybe I I don't know why I've heard of it. Maybe it was something that my parents have heard of, and it's actually not that popular. But okay. in, in any case, the reason why I watched it is because I like the song, and I was curious about the movie. The sure. movie is not that great. I'd probably give it like a, oh, like a three, a three or a three and a half star kind of thing. It feels like out a, of five. Out of out of five, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like. Um, you ever watch like an old ass movie and it's very slow and nothing much happens? Sometimes, yeah. It's kind of that. It kind it kind of reminded me of The Graduate, but I like The Graduate a lot more. Yeah, you did. Graduate, you said The Graduate held up. The, yeah, The Graduate is definitely held up. Okay. Um, the Dustin Hoffman movie, I think, but this so, I don't think is held up as well. Give me one good thing about it. Um, what'd you enjoy? Well, the, the one good thing is that it's a funny it's a funny story and it's well written. Okay. Um, I think that it's it's really interesting seeing it, it depicts what it does depict very well is the 1960s uh, counterculture student kind of culture at the time. It's like Arlo, who is in his early early to mid twenties, hanging out with all his early to mid twenties kind of mates, and it kind of reminds me of the sort of stupid shit that like young people do around Canberra for fun. Yeah. It just shows you like people hanging out and hanging out in cafes and stuff. And it really gives you a feel of like, this is what daily life was like. If you were kind of into the, the arts scene and the music scene in New York in the sixties, this is what you'd kind of be like. That's this is cool. what it would be like. It if does you sound went like into a cool scene. Yeah, exactly. And it, especially since, um, I don't think he was that well known, but at the time that the movie, the, 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 the story is based on a real thing that happened to him, like a real time when he got arrested for something fucking stupid right. that was this really convoluted series of events. And the story of when it happened was like kind of before he was famous. And so okay. it um, it's interesting to sort of see the way they depict the sort of mi- mid to late 60s time, which I'm also interested in because it was around the time that Bob Dylan was getting really popular and mm. the Dylan is electric stuff was combining with the... Uh, the Summer of Love 60s pop music stuff, which was combining with the Vietnam War stuff. And it was this huge upheaval and change in American culture. Yeah. And so in terms of that perspective, it was really interesting. Okay. Um, the tagline for the movie is, every generation has its story to tell. And in terms of this movie being sort of uh, def- a defining... Um, in terms of this movie sort of being a window into this generation's experience of America, I think it was really, I think it's really interesting. Okay, cool. And it's like, got a n- couple not, cameo- a, sorry, not yeah? a period piece, like a legitimate, it was made then. It was so made in 1969 of, and no, it was set in like 1967. It's not like rose tinted glasses, it's an actual piece yeah, of exactly. historical cinema. So it's cinema. like a. A sincere depiction of, and kind of wacky and kind of silly, like this, the ha- things that happen in it are kind of are kind of silly, and it's got this like first person narration the whole time, like, and then I got a call on the telephone <laughs> from the police officer. 
But they um, they removed that in the director's cut. That was a theatrical cut. Yeah, and, but because a lot be of honest, audiences I didn't like the, it when the, it came out. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to be honest, the song I think is funny, and I think that I got a lot more out of I got a lot more out of listening to the song for the first time than I did out of watching the movie for the first so, time. So okay, I reckon at the very least, listeners, go check the song out. Then one more time, Alice's Restaurant. Alice's by Arlo Guthrie. All right, and that'll be on Spotify and YouTube and stuff. So give that a listen yeah. if you're interested the mo- in that. The movie itself, I had to borrow the DVD off my dad. So, right, uh, so no hope to watch for the movie. movie. <laughs> uh, talk to my dad. <laughs> uh, just at <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, cool. I, fun time, interesting watch, but I, I got kind of bored and... Uh, I think that maybe it would have been a more interesting novelty back in the day than it is now. I'm not going to watch that, but I'd like to watch it to see what types of uh, cinematic techniques they were using back in the 60s. I think that'd be interesting. You would. I would. I will. Like uh, The Woodstock Festival kind of thing. It was it was made in and around the area where the Woodstock Festival happened at the time that it happened. So right. that's the kind of culture that it's depicting. And that's sort of why I found it interesting. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That was it. Alice's Restaurant. What about you, boy? What did you watch? Slice Life. Um, okay. I watched something that is maybe the exact opposite of that movie. Um, <laughs> it's not. Um, a Ghost Story by uh, director... Frank's Laundromat. <laughs> by director Robert... Uh, no, not Robert. David Lowry, um, who is an American, a Texan director that's not particularly well known, I don't think. Um, he's done a few like, weird indie movies that are apparently quite good. Um, and he's got a movie coming up called The Green Knight, which I'm very keen to watch. His his upcoming work sounds really interesting, and I didn't really pay much attention to it, but now that I've watched Ghost Story, I really loved it. Um, right. And I think I'll definitely be keeping my eyes peeled for uh, The Green Knight. But Ghost so who, who's Story... who's in Ghost Story? What's it about? What'd you like about it? Yeah, so Ghost Story, uh, it, people might remember seeing it. it. The poster was like one of those cartoony bedsheet ghosts with the eyes cut out of it. Uh, and and um, uh, Casey, Casey Affleck, the Casey Affleck, Ben Affleck's brother. Rooney Mara. Uh, th- 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 that's basically it. The um, the rest of the cast is, is sort of subsidiary, I guess. It's... Um, Casey Affleck plays, uh, they, they, so those two play a couple, and um, sh- quite a quite a short amount of time into the film, Casey Affleck's character is killed, and for the rest of the film, Casey Affleck uh, takes the character of this ghost, um, who is sort of uh, stuck between able to interact with the world and mostly being powerless, uh, and having to sort of watch right. Rooney Mara live out her life. Uh, without really being able to interact at all. And I guess... Um, she can't see him. She can't see him at all. Uh, he can see her and um, is very limited in his ability to to do anything. Right. Um, and so he's forced to just observe her in the grieving process and then, you know, as she uh, kind of, like, lives her life moving forward and it goes a little bit further and gets a lot more complicated than that actually not a lot more complicated it's quite a simple story um but it sort of does really interesting things with that concept of like what what does a ghost experience when sure uh they're hanging around um it's shot in four by three so that's like the normal it's like slightly less narrow than the lighthouse (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as your reference point, um, but one of the one of the things that you first notice about it the, is the movie, the lighthouse, not not less narrow than a, <laughs> than a literal lighthouse. Because that'd be 
Very narrow. Well, how long's a piece of string? How narrow is a lighthouse? You know. <laughs> um, but so it's That's got it's in four by three, but it's also got like rounded corners on the edges of the film, which is really interesting because it gives it like this really. Uh, I, I I mean, people say like four by three gives kind of a. Um, nostalgic quality to it because that's the film the ratio that a lot of film the, is on the rounded corners is like a super eight thing isn't it, it uh, yeah if not even older than that like um uh i can't remember the name but it's a, it's kind of they, they call it like i think the hollywood look or something like that it's it's quite a sp- <laughs> it's quite a specific uh quite a specific mean, thing though, yeah. um that's that's like w- was yes an artifact of like a period of time where they used a special type of film that had those rounded yeah. edges on them and this is, I think this, this was shot entirely digitally. I think it was shot on like Ari Alexas and RED cameras, but they've made so it. They've sort of affected it later. They've affected it later, but it's I'm not an sure extremely. How I feel about um, that, <laughs> uh, look, it, the, the cinematography is beautiful. I really liked this film. Um, the, the cinematography and the aesthetic are fantastic. Really, really, really moving. So it's like um, a. It sounds like it's a slow paced drama. It's really meditative. I, I don't want to give away too much because, like, A, the story is very simple and, B, there's a few moments in it that, like, will be totally lost in value if I talk about them before people have watched them. Go watch it. Um, it's only, like, an hour and 25 minutes, so pretty pretty uh, meager to to kind of actually take in. I'm not asking you to watch An Irishman. Um <laughs> And it looks beautiful. Casey Affleck's character is a musician in the film, and he writes a few, or at least one song that is kind of like this uh, recurring theme throughout all of the the film. And so, like at yeah, worst, right. it it feels like a kind of concept heavy music video. Um, and at best, it's a really wonderful meditation on like loneliness and the idea of um, legacy and what we kind of leave behind when we die. Uh, yeah, right. And what 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 other people experience of us once we pass away, um, and it's not like a it's not a horror movie. Um, it's a it, I guess it's a drama. Uh, the acting in it is fantastic. Rooney Mara is really excellent. Uh, there's not a it's really dialogue light, so it's a lot of like visual aesthetic. Um, the color grading is fantastic, which is a weird thing to single out about a movie, but like the color palette <laughs> in the movie is really wonderful and so warm and nostalgic. It made it me feel very vibrant, really lovely. The, um, yeah. yeah. And the sound is also really excellent. Uh, it's on, uh, SBS on demand. So, so that's it's free, it's isn't free, it? totally free. If you just make yeah, an wow. account for free, I'd strongly recommend going and watching that. I really enjoyed it. Oh, uh, cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I um, yeah. I wish I'd enjoyed my little movie as much as I'd enjoyed yours. Yeah, you should watch Ghost Story. I think you'd probably like it. Yeah, I'll go in. Yeah. I think that's all the beefness of, the beefness of pleasure for this week. Try to yeah, give it a bit all, of a lightning spent, round. <laughs> um, uh, we are going to get right back on track, uh, making progress to finish this episode within our committed time. Let's see how we go. Yeah. We're going to have a fun time while we're doing it. This week, we watched and are reviewing Bong Joon-ho's... 20 film Okja 17 2017 film Okja We needed a miracle And then we got one This beautiful and special little creature Will be a revolution in the livestock industry We are animal lovers. 
Our plan is to expose Miranda, rescue Okja, and bring her back to you. What happens? That farmer girl is going to destroy us. You should know the situation is not good. Each night before uh, which is a, I would call it a comedy adventure film. Some sort of action adventure comedy kind of thing. Ah, oh, fuck you! I was about to say that the uh, the Wikipedia article describes it as a uh, an action adventure film, and in my yeah. maybe it is, but in my brain, I was like, "No, it's fucking not." <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no action in this movie. There's actually a lot of action in this movie. Yeah, there it is. just doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't really feel like an action movie. Well, um, I've been really getting into another movie podcast that I'm not going to name because I think they're better than us. And they did uh, this movie a few years ago. Um, and you listened to and it they and were describing all their content. <laughs> and they were describing this movie as very Spielberg esque. Oh, Sp- Spielbergian. I'm, yeah, I- I'm not. The biggest fan of Spielberg, but I suppose in terms of his traditional movies, if you think of like a E.T. is probably an excellent comparison for this. Right. Okay. Um, yep. That's fair. A family kind of adventure film with funny bits and dramatic bits. What is Okja? Okja is a yeah. Korean-American movie. Bong Joon-ho is a Korean director. Most yep. of the... Half of this movie probably stars Korean actors, is set in Korea and is in Korean. Right. And the other half is set in America and has Hollywood actors like Tilda Swinton and um, uh, Nature Boy is Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. Um, and I, thought big- you, I thought you said Nate Jaboui. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck is that? Yeah, I was like, do you mean Jake Gyllenhaal? Who the fuck yeah, is Nate Jabouille? Nate, Nate <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, no. Uh, so that um, fucking rocks. That's my screen name forever. Nate Jabouille. Nate Jabouille. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's a. Uh, it's essentially about this. It feels like the start of the movie feels like a bit it's of about a, a satir- big pig. <laughs> the start of the movie feels a bit like a satirical kind of comedy, a bit like uh, Sorry to Bother You, where mm-hmm. it shows you this like very larger than life, very like, aren't we glossy and shiny and perfect on the outside a, a, a looking like event. giant corporation? Yeah. It's a bit like an Apple keynote where this company called, I don't remember the name of it. Whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. The Mirando the is, Corporation. Yeah, the Mirando Corporation is presenting this genetically modified super pig that well, they're going to be yeah. presenting to the world as this organic, all-natural uh, wonder of nature. But basically, they've genetically engineered this super pig that um, is bigger and more has more meat and is supposedly better for the environment and all they this sort really of shit. They don't really say too much about it. They don't really say it. why. They, yeah. They've developed this better meat source and it's this new animal. And they've said, well... To, to introduce this animal to the world uh, while we're still developing it. For the next 10 years, we're going to give 20 of these little super pig piglets to 20 farmers all around the world. There's a farmer in Australia that's going to get one. There's a farmer in fucking Korea that's going to get one. A farmer in Japan's going to get one all over the place. And we're going to keep track of these pigs over the next 10 years. And you can follow around the world. And in 10 years, the farmer that's bred the best super pig will win a great prize and then yep. we'll show you what our super pigs look like and we'll unleash them up on the world and you better buy their meat and eat their meat. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. 
So the movie is all about a farmer or a, a, a family of a granddad and his granddaughter in Korea who are one of the recipients of this little piglet. And it flashes forward pretty much 10 years later straight away yep. to uh, the day or the, the week that the 10 years are up and the Miranda Corporation goes around looking at who around the world has the best pig. Uh, the short story is that the Korean family has the best pig, and the Miranda Corporation have said, congratulations, your best, your, your pig's the best pig. We're going to take it to New York for this big ceremony. Um, and that's the, the movie unfolds from there. So I feel like, um, um, I, f- I feel like you're, you're correct, but also um, skimming over the, the opening act, which I think is really important to contextualize the rest yeah, of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the main complication of the movie. Right. Um, and I'm so, getting to that quickly to, to draw the parallel between Elliot and E.T. and this young girl oh, okay. and the pig thing, which turns out when it's fully grown to be the size of like twice the size of a cow. It looks like a cross between like a cow. It's like a, a rhino, a rhino a pig. sized pig. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I, I see where you're going with the E.T. thing. Um, I will say I haven't seen E.T. in a really long time, but I feel like the first maybe like half like or this maybe big hippo third. cow thing. <laughs> E.T., he's the size of a fucking bus. I haven't seen it in a long time. People are trying to slice him up and eat him. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> we want to eat E.T. Eat T. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing that I feel like E.T. does fairly differently to establish the relationship between the two the 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 alien quote pig quote and um the main human character is that it takes like a third or like half the movie in et i feel when was the last time you watched it because i feel like um i watch it every week Okay, right. So when you watched it this <laughs> yeah, no, this Monday, right. ages um, ago, it takes fucking forever for right, you to, it, to endear you to ET. But in yeah. this movie, that's done in like ten minutes or less. And the way it does it, I feel like it's very heavy-handed. Oh really? Like you can see. I was, was going to talk about how good it was. So do you want to no, go first, I like or do, it. <laughs> should I? <laughs> well, I like it, and I think that the way it does it is good. But you can see where it's going, right? I don't like, think it's heavy-handed, but I think it is. It's not subtle. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, like it, yeah. you can. I think those are sort of similar similar points. It's not, sorry, it's not ham fisted and awkward. It's it's just yeah, very no. direct. You can just it's very it's in in a very Spielbergy kind of way. Sure, it's very direct sure. surface level. Like, um, it's a very beautiful shot. So basically, they live in they live in a jungle in a in like a jungle at the top it, of a mountain. Some of the most beautiful so, landscape in in it's cinema. Ab- yeah. yeah, absolutely beautiful. And this Gorgeous. opening sort of twenty the opening twenty minutes, which is basically this young what's the young girl's character name? Uh, Mija. Mija. Mija uh, is this, yeah, the young girl who's basically the one that's best friends with this giant fucking pig thing named Okja, mm-hmm. this big hippo thing. Um, and they're best friends and they, 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 they frolic around in the little ponds together and run through the forest and pick like what look like persimmons or something. And it's like, it's like this paradise oasis looking junk for a rainforest looking place. They're, this- they're com- the point of that whole sequence is to establish two things, I think, maybe three. Yeah. Um, firstly their companionship um and how like really they have a very close deep emotional connection and that sort of i feel like it's setting you up to to have that like pet like connection to it they almost like yeah like she talks to it's like a very and also how intelligent but that's the that's that was the second thing i was going to say yeah is how emotionally and literally intellectually intelligent for an animal this 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 animal is right so her grandpa calls her home at some point 
And yeah. uh, she's like, okay, we got to go. I know a shortcut. Let's go. It's this clifftop pathway. Um, and the, the thing's really reluctant. Uh, Okja's really reluctant. And she's like, it'll be fine. And then she's leading it by a rope and she slips and falls. And it s- steps on the rope um, to stop her from falling. And like, I guess this is spoiling like 10 minutes into the movie. So there's this sequence where she is about to fall to her death and it clearly makes a very intelligent and calculated decision to intervene physically by um, like kind of looping se- the rope around shit and around a branch yeah. and like seesawing itself. And also then the final element of this is that it throws itself off the cliff as a counterweight to bring her back up to the top, yeah. which is like extremely intelligent and quick thinking. And so you're immediately like, right, two things. One, this thing knows like, it understands like physical activity and how to use its body and stuff. It's very smart. And it loves this kid and is prepared to sacrifice its life. And it has altruistic behavior, which is something that like it's argued over a lot in, this is my psych background coming in, but like it's a, (laughs) it's a really interesting philosophical and psychological question about like which animals have altruistic behavior and which don't, but it's kind of generally accepted that like, you talk about these super pigs in the the psych degree. Yeah. I did a whole semester on it. Um, (laughs) So, it, it it's pretty well established that, like, more intelligent species are... It, it's kind of, like, correlated with being able to... Being engaging in, like, altruistic behavior and, and that type of thing. So, it, it's very clear quite soon into, yeah, right. the, into the film that this thing is... Uh, it has deep emotional understanding. It forms connections with the people that it's with, kind of like a family does. It's really smart and it's selfless. And so that's yeah. kind of the that's the like the context, and then immediately after that, um, as you said, we sort of learn that they've won the prize for the best pig being Oct- raised. Survives this f- cliff thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, 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 I kind of knew that was going to happen um, because yeah. it was like, fuck. Imagine if they killed off the pig thing in like the first ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> the um, rest of the movie rule. is a recipe for, kill- for yeah, the butchering <laughs> and eating octa. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so th- then the, the pig is like taken away and, uh, I guess that's not the last, yeah. we'll, that's not the last we'll see of Okja. Uh, but the rest the, of the, the story is that the, the, the Mija decides I'm going to go and get, get res- Okja rescue back. Rescue my pig back. Yeah. Right. And so um, like, it kind of proceeds from there. There's all um, sorts of shit that happens. She like has to deal with her family on the mountain, then she has to deal with the the company in Korea and all yeah. these different. There's like animal rights activists that she in, encounters along the way, and all sorts of different moving moving cogs that work really well together. And I feel like right. I couldn't ever really. I was gonna say I could never see where it was going. I suppose I sort of could, but not in a way where it detracted from the overall experience. I think it was really fun. I really liked the yeah. movie a lot. It, it signposts itself well. Um, and it's sort of not yeah. really breaking out of any any s- sort of really clear narrative formula. Like it's a rescue film about a pig. So in some yeah. ways, <laughs> in some ways, it sticks to that almost like Disney like formula pretty strongly. But in other yeah. ways, it throws in extra details or twists and turns that that really are. I, I felt actually were quite reflective of he he would go on to do Parasite, and that's got a lot of like obviously heaps of social commentary in it. Um, and yeah. I think there are elements of this film that uh, contain quite a bit of that style of thinking and filmmaking as well. Um, obviously, um, like 
the the whole factory farming industry has taken on. And I feel like he's starting to look at the structure of like businesses and CEOs and people in charge of like decision making for these huge corporations and starting to kind of like have them in his crosshair. There's a really interesting thing about decision making and CEOs and that sort of thing a bit later on that I'll talk about later. Great. Um, but it's kind of related to Obama. So Do you want to talk about the podcast then? <laughs> <laughs> if, if I don't mention the Obama thing later, you'll, you'll love it. So, remind okay. me. Um, but while we're talking about, about it, I think that this, this, if we're talking about the cinematography and the, the uh, animation as well in this movie, I think it's all excellent. Okja, I feel like part of the movie that is the a key premise of the movie is that you have to believe that this fucking Okja thing is real. I think it's so believable. I think there's literally like the very first shot where it comes into focus where I thought it looked a bit fucked. But other than that, like um, um, you have the to scene believe... where Jake Gyllenhaal is running his hands over the skin uh, really yeah. broke me out of it because that looked like incredibly for me. I don't know. No, I was, I, I I was like, there was lots was of scenes looking for of... it. Yeah. His, his acting was... was good. It just really didn't. Uh... Oh, you liked his acting. That's a big call. That's his, controversial. Okay. okay. His acting well, in that get, moment... We'll get to it in a second. His acting in yeah. that moment was good, but there were a few... I'll, I'll just... I'll, I'll sum it up by saying there were a few moments where I was like, that pig ain't real. <laughs> where I was like, that pig is fake. Then, then you pulled your pants off. And you were like, <laughs> yeah. enough analysis of that fat hog. Yep. Let's look at that fat hog. <laughs> yeah. Time to resume this film. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I did think that. That's correct. Um, Not yeah. the first time I've heard that pig ain't but, real today, uh, if you but know then, what I'm saying. <laughs> at the, uh, that happened a few times early on in the movie, and then never again. So, no, ne- yeah. I, 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 I think I, maybe there were just a couple of dodgy moments early on, and then it, it really... Might like immersion, or something to do with accepting it. I love a lot of close-ups of the animal's eye, and the eyelashes and things. I thought about the same thing just as I was talking then, yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it, it didn't... Um, well, you know why. <laughs> well, it, it, I, I mean, I went on to actually genuinely form an emotional connection with this thing, which wouldn't have happened if yeah. the whole time I was like, this is a digital fake pig. So, yeah. <laughs> Even though it is. Which I'm struggling again, with in this conversation I, I right now. Yeah. Not, not a real pig. <laughs> that, I'm looking at a digital fake pig on my screen right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've, I really got, it like on, I've of, got it on selfie camera. So. Yeah, cheers. I really yeah. like the <laughs> the use of color in this movie as well. I think that there was lots okay. of really beautiful, vibrant greens and blues in the nature scenes that feel very organic at the start yeah, of the film. Yeah, they, they did a um, good job they of sort that. Of, yeah. They live in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere on this. It's like they say farm, but it's basically they have a whole rainforest themselves with like a little shack where they have dinner. Um, yeah. I noticed that a lot of the music was acoustic. Lots of really natural sounding acoustic instruments. Okay. Um, I didn't notice the, the jungle music at and then all, so th- interesting. All throughout, lots of really beautiful like acoustic guitars and things. And then throughout the rest of the movie, even during like the chase scenes, where right. it was starting to play this like wild kind of music um, that was almost like Benny oh, Hill kind of shit. You know what? They were it, playing like accordions and horns I did and notice stuff. it went like almost like mariachi at one point, like quite yeah. Latino. Yeah, and it was all, um, uh, yeah, all, but I, I noticed it was a lot of acoustic stuff, and I didn't know whether that was a deliberate choice or whether they just accidentally included all that acoustic uh, music. It, it was but deliberate, like, but yeah. The, yeah, <laughs> I sort of caught myself up with through it. Yeah. Um, but uh, I noticed it, and I really liked it, and I felt like definitely at the very start, I, I felt like it gave this very organic kind of back-to-grassroots kind of feel to the whole natural world that Okja has grown up in. 
Right. And so that when Okja gets taken away to the city, and the first time we see the city is when Mija goes in on the train, I think. Um, you see yeah. Mija wearing very bright red and purple, like a bright red jacket and bright purple pants. And she goes into the train station and it kind of Schindler's lists you a bit where it shows like a top-down shot of this very grey looking train station with everyone wearing black suits and then Mija in the middle of this big crowd like pushing her way through with this red jacket and purple pants. Sure. Um, and it does a lot of that like uh, green green nature and then like very dark grey city which right. I don't think is inherently obvious because later on in the movie there's lots of chase scenes where um there's lots of chase scenes where um, all sorts of action is happening later on in the movie where the city f- does feel very colourful and vibrant and there's lots of like neon signs all over the place that um, light up the shot and make it feel very colourful in a way that doesn't have the same effect. So I think a lot of those different contrasting shots were deliberate in a way to sort of bring the mood down just by going into the city and showing it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which makes sense with the characterization of Mija, who I feel has gr- must have grown up on this farm. She is uh, ostensibly without her parents, and so her grandfather seems to be her main parental figure, and her grandfather is the owner of the farm, I think. So it, it looks like, yeah, she's really yeah. grown up in that, and she has this really strong connection to nature and connection to Okja. And uh, she can't be yeah. much older than 10 years old, and it is 10. So I feel like that probably <laughs> that probably serves to show her displacement when she goes into any kind of like urban or city environment, particularly like the office building where um, <laughs> she tries to break through the glass to try and... That was the funniest fucking so, moment so in the good. whole movie. <laughs> and I didn't even need the... She like runs up against a glass door and then it shatters. But there's a moment where she just hits the door and then slides down it like... No, she bounces off it almost yeah. like it's made of rubber. Boom. Like it's and cartoonishly the, the gonging noise. I really yeah, yeah. didn't even need the door to break. I just loved hearing uh, hearing and a she really dog like off the door. She really like she she tries to cannonball through this glass door. Like she like legs off the ground, arms around her legs, like hits yeah. this fucker. It's uh, it's yeah, really yeah. good. <laughs> Um, there's lots of okay. like larger so what did, than life kind of action scenes like that. There are, and if particularly like there's a you know a semi trailer based chase scene. Um, yeah, where they like she like matrix jumps onto the top of the fucking that is truck. Wild! I was like, God, she'd be no. dead. She'd be super dead. <laughs> um, the driver of that truck is the main uh, dude in the family from Parasite. Yeah, I knew yeah. I knew him from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, parasite and he's really good he has that <laughs> he's like one of my favorite characters in the film where like, every time anyone mentions the company that he works for he's like um yeah uh fuck them and, yeah. <laughs> and when they're like but don't you work for that company he's like yeah i don't give a shit it's not my yeah. company i don't he's fucking like a, <laughs> I, I rules, love that, that whole that whole scene by the way yeah yeah very, um, very much mirrors um a lot, of, a lot of shit i have to deal with at work and just in general um stuff that you see in company dynamics where like um someone higher up the food chain like th- 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 this little like teenager who's driving the truck has like one of the king one of the chief executives of his company like in the truck with him yeah and he's like so uh how you doing and the kid just kind of lo- looks at him weirdly and just keeps driving and this he's <laughs> very he's <laughs> yeah. very one-sided conversations where all of a sudden the executive who's used to all this respect is dealing with someone that's so low down in the company who has who hates his job so much that just absolutely doesn't have anything to lose yeah yeah and just he's could so not replaceable give a fuck about this guy right he's yeah. so replaceable he doesn't even need to give a shit 
Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the, really the executive, good. The executive, to- all the scenes with the executive talking to the teenage truck driver was so fucking Yeah, funny. it rules. I love them so much. Just that whole character. Like him being like, so have you got a license to drive this truck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and uh the bit where he's like uh no but i don't have workers comp <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's very good um no i was gonna say so um a more major role steven yun and uh paul dano <laughs> fucking wildly yeah. enough are both in this movie um as, as sort um, of like animal supporting rights, uh, supporting characters activists. right the, a- the alf the funniest, one of the funniest fucking lines in the whole movie is when uh, Okja is in the back of this uh, corporation truck on the way yep. from somewhere to somewhere else. Yep. <laughs> and this like um, other truck pulls up alongside them with all these dudes in balaclavas and they wind down their window and they go, hi, it's nice to meet you. We're not terrorists. Yeah. Pull over. <laughs> yeah. Because they're like, they're very committed to like non-violence. And so they try to, and when like, they say like, pull over and they're like, not going to do it. And so they're like, okay, put on your seatbelt. Because <laughs> they're going to ram them. <laughs> it's, um, it's really cool. I really liked the, uh, yeah, like the non-violent, uh, non-violent eco-terrorists. Uh, Stephen Yuen is... Uh, of course, that Amer- American Korean actor who I think is in my favorite movie, Burning. Burning, yeah. Um, there is a translation joke in the movie that you yeah. only pick up if you know Korean and English. Did you see this? Um, I well, the, his translation sort of becomes a, a linchpin of the rest of the story. Yeah, but so like, are you talking so about he, that? Or? No, so he speaks in Korean a lot. Half the movie is all characters speaking in Korean with English yep. subtitles, and there's a bit where um, Stephen Yuen is walking away from Major, and he says, "Major, try learning English. It opens new doors." But that's just what the English subtitles say. In Korean, he says something completely different. Right. In Korean, he what does says he say? something. In Korean, he says like "Mija, my name is Kusun Bon," um, and it's just a flagrant mistranslation. So if okay, you speak Korean, funny. he's like, "My name is Kusun Bum," and the English translation is "Learn English; it opens new doors." Right, so right, it's, right. It's like a fuck you to people <laughs> yeah. who don't speak Korean, being like, "Oh, you learn English or whatever." Um, also, but also, apparently, Bong Joon Ho's made jokes about. Uh, subtitles in cinema before so yeah. it's something that he sees as being like a a, yeah. a a trivial thing that people need to get over but also is yeah. clearly fine with like having a go at people about yeah well, cool. uh, that's Stephen Yuen in some interview um, uh, it's sort of part of this article I can't tell where the quote starts and stops but the, the point is that they were they were talking about this this Movie so the and quote this starts specific and stops when you see those two little like <laughs> little small marks about um, the words. Ap- apparently, Ku Sun Bum is uh, like the name he says his name is, but it never shows up in the subtitles. It says like something completely different. Right. Um, the name he says is as it's like a, if a white man said his name was Boo Ford Attaway. Like it's just it's like a dumb name. Right. It doesn't make any and sense. It's, it, uh, Bu- yeah, Buford. It, it's like if he said my name is Buford Attaway. Like it's 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 it's, it's it's a it's funny in Korean because it's a real dumb name and okay. there's no way to translate it. It's like it's <laughs> such it would be such an insane name for someone to have. Right. <laughs> That's good shit. So his character name is K. Um Yeah. Yeah. And so like he uh I guess the the they're introduced and they abduct well abduct, rescue uh they rescue Okja and Mija and um 
they uh, uh, sort of de- <laughs> describe uh, their the rest of their plan, which is that unfortunately they need to they need to let uh, Mirando recapture Okja in order to get footage of their sinister plans, which they like slaughterhouse and shit. But they get they're going to yeah. put a, a hidden camera in Okja and then accidentally let Okja fall back into enemy hands. Right. But they've done it intentionally. And I think that's where we probably got to cut it before we spoil anything. I think so, probably. So, um, yeah, we could talk about it more, but I don't know. I, I, I don't really feel super compelled to talk about, like, the endings of the movie or anything. Um, I, don't, I, don't th- I don't think we need to. It's sort of, there's lots of antics that go on between them and then and then. So, Mija has a completely different agenda to the animal rights people, and they have a completely different agenda to the company that's trying to get this pig right. to showcase it as this marketing stunt of like, look how great our genetic engineering is. Yeah. Um, and half of the fun of the movie is watching all these people lie to each other and try and make it look like they're all on the same page when really none of them want the same thing out of anyone. And it's on the one hand kind of frustrating as an audience member to watch this like screwball bullshit take place. But yeah. it's on the other hand, half the fun of the movie and me, what do you all reckon, the characters are played really well. I do you reckon I, all? Okay, I was just about to ask. No, Jake Gyllenhaal kind of annoyed me. So Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal plays this character that's like a Steve Irwin kind of character. He's very cartoonish. It's very cartoony, and I think a lot of the characters in this movie are quite cartoony. Actually, yeah. that's another thing that this other nameless podcast picked up on was the fact that I mean, this is this is this is an OG, this is an OT original thought. You ready for yep. this? Great. Um, I think that the did you get like Rafiki vibes from the granddad? Nope. Ah, me 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 neither. I guess it is an OT original thought. <laughs> I got like serious like. Rafiki vibes from, from the granddad. I think I've like watched a, like a real Lion King recently enough to know what a Rafiki vibe is. Ooh, you know, oh, the, the character Rafiki, like a mischievous kind of. Um, a character will come with like a serious problem, and then Rafiki will sort of bound away, giggling no, in a way I, where you're I, like, "Well, you didn't really answer the question." You sort I of think like, Rafiki's. You you believe Rafiki's? This is my perspective on that. You believe Rafiki's heart is in the right place, and I. I it's the same kind of thing with the granddad. No, sort of. fuck that old guy. I really yeah. hated. I hated the grandpa. The grandpa was in it for the oh, money. He's, he's in it for the money by the end of it. Yeah, fucking. He's in it for the money at the. St- start of it dude he fucking when she's going to leave she throws she like she does two things she like breaks her piggy bank and he like scrabbles around on the floor to try and like save the money and then when she's leaving the house and he's like wait come back come back come back she throws him off by fucking throwing a few notes of money behind her which he (laughs) stops to clasp at the air to grab and i was like this guy sucks he he knew he was selling the pig out from under her he fucking knew that she was attached to it and she he just did not give a fuck or he wasn't empathetic enough to know that she would love it so much that there was no way they could sell it my partner who i was watching this with was like yeah but dude like she's He's obviously a victim of capitalism as well, in that like he did not have a choice to sell that pig. Like, of course they would have, they would have ended up with the pig one way or another. They just would have either bought it from him or not. And like he probably took the opportunity to become rich. And I was like, yeah, but that's not a moral character. That's a that's a that's a pragmatic character. So I don't like him. 
and I don't have to like him. It suck. It sucks that he lied to his to his granddaughter. Yeah, sure. and he he I'm gives not- her like this little golden pig thing, which was I thought uh, kind of ham fisted, but also like not a bad way to. Um, to reflect the fact that, like, yeah. he was like, "Here, you've got this emotional loss. <laughs> Let me replace that with a, like, a, a, a monetary yeah, gain." Yeah, again, it's like it's obvious what they're doing, and I think they're tied to some sort of traditional yeah. marriage thing, which I don't know if it's true or not. But um, no, it ties back to the fact that I think a lot of the characters are very cartoony. A lot of the animal rights activists are quite cartoony, and so they exist in their own world where I think everything in the movie is kind of logically consistent. Right, there's that guy that means... like hasn't eaten long enough to pass out because yeah. he's like. All food is all food is uh what does he say? He's like all food is um exploitation. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, Yeah, you're gonna die, dude, and he's like, I'd rather die. <laughs> They're like, have an apple. I'd rather what? I'd rather die than an eat apple a tomato. <laughs> fertilized with toxic e- yeah, ethylene gases. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather die. Uh, Which like no, I, I don't know if that helps or hurts your cause, but I guess no, it makes I, it interesting. I think by virtue of the fact that it's got the film's got a very satirical kind of nature to it, I think that um it's got a lot of it's got, it's got a tongue-in-cheek kind of vibe the whole way through that I think was really fun. Um, I, I yep. think that it's it's a ton of. I had a lot of. It was really funny. I, I think something we haven't mentioned that is I think the whole film was really funny. I definitely got a bit a, a good uh, sorry to bother you kind of kick out of this movie. I think that yeah. I found sorry to bother you more funny than I found this funny. And on I the think whole. in terms of like so sorry to bother you is to capitalism as this is to eating meat. Like this is um I think really is, taking a big old. Big old shot at the um, factory farming and and livestock yeah, I, industry. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think this movie is less about. And Bong Joon Ho has said himself, it's less about veganism and eating meat than it is about factory farming specifically and about the food industry. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, and I think that's. I think that's the whole point of the movie, showing this very beautiful, free-range, almost like natural way that Okja lives in the Korean sort of rainforest jungle right. thing, and, and then I, contrasting it with like the cage they're kept in in the city. And then going yeah. back to being happy again in the jungle, back in Korea, and they're having chicken for dinner again. So, like, I, I think that it's not. Yeah, it, it it's all got this very um, it's got this very like strong uh, anti-capitalist undercurrent of um, yeah, like the, the 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 corporation is aware of what it's doing and is malicious and is uh, deceitful and is yeah, exploitative. Like- the, the but, girl at the end. Oh no, that, that's a the spoiler. But there's yeah, all, yeah, all sorts so. of all sorts of lines with the corporation where um, it's very overtly are, like yeah, overtly malicious and like very comic comically malicious and having contempt for the the animal rights people and all that sort of shit. I think actually, um, Parasite. As much as like uh, it can be, you say what you will about Parasite, and you will. You won't shut up about it, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, say what you will about it as like a criticism of class consciousness and capitalism. It's um, I, I think it was a lot more well developed and subtle and well fleshed out than the criticisms of capitalism are in this movie. They felt extremely on the nose. Yeah, um, I feel like this is especially. Th- this- I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. I think Tilda Swinton is a bad actor. I think she's I- not good. And, I don't and know. I think she always she always chooses very strange roles, which make it hard to ch- decide whether she's a good actor this, or not. This, she, this, she plays two roles in this. Yeah, she absolutely <laughs> breaks my rule of uh, a British person voicing an American person that can't do an accent. Um, and there's no reason why she has to be American. She can just be British. She could just be a British person. You can just be a British person. British people exist in America. 
Um, but I think also like her characterization of each, her, her characterization is not particularly good. Um, and I, I actually felt her more grating. I was aware that Jake Gyllenhaal was grating, but that he was performing a very tongue-in-cheek character. Well, I think that that's was very the problem eccentric. is that you you have to believe. I think that it's hard to tell whether her character is not believable or whether it's that her character is just very comical in a way that sort of breaks you out of the right. Like maybe it's comical in a way that's not consistent. With with the rest of the film, the rest yeah. of the film. Whereas I think his is, and so like I didn't struggle with him the same way as I struggled with um, with Tilda Swinton's character. And I've had her break me out of movies a couple of times, and uh, yeah. I'm off it. So I, I, I think I, I think we're almost we're almost getting towards the end of that little discussion here. And yeah. so now is as good a time as any for me to get back to my my Obama fact. Yeah, so if okay, you will, Obama. will you please Google the phrase Okja Osama yep. bin Laden. Okay, um, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, right. So there is a sequence in this movie. All right, this is a Google prediction. Yeah, so you, you know the sequence in the movie where Okja is executed by a SEAL team. Jesus <laughs> yeah, Christ! No. So th- there is a sequence in this movie where um, the the executive staff from the Miranda Corporation are in like a glass walled kind of office. No, they're in some sort of little little boardroom looking at all these screens trying to work out what they're going to do about this Okja problem. And so they have shot matched this scene from the movie that has um, Tilda Swinton's executive character with all the other executive staff. And they've shot matched that fer- perfectly with a f- famous photo of the Obama situation room from the day when they killed Osama bin Laden. And it, there's all sorts of shit you can get into there where uh, Bong Joon-ho says like, don't read too much into it. It was just a fun visual joke we did. But they they, they cast. They said. They said. They spent ages like finding extras that look like the members of Obama's staff. That with is the right it, costumes it, and everything. You, you listeners, you've got to fucking Google this. This is wild shit. <laughs> There's <laughs> two side by side frames, and it the, the, it is exact, exactly spot on. Yeah, like they have the same positions and everything. Um, you Tilda can, Swinton notice, is sitting in the same seat as Hillary Clinton, and they both right, have their so, hands in right. front of their mouths T- and stuff. The same Tilda Swinton isn't sitting in the same position as uh, President Obama. No, who's the one in charge? She's yep. sitting in place of Hillary Clinton. That's that is that is crazy. I uh, um yeah. The more that the more that you look, the at more the, you look at it, the you're more it's you're perfect, initially yeah. like, oh yeah, okay, I can see. It's like, oh, they framed it. Like, there's an old guy that has the same haircut. And there's then, like, multiple dudes with the same haircut. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really wild. It's, it's um, good shit. The the main thing that's off about it is uh, <laughs> the, the vet. Um. Well, the vet, like, yeah, because that's an old... I think, is that... Fuck, that's Joe Biden, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that the is Joe wacky, Biden. Wack, wack, wacky dude, it doesn't really make yeah, much right. sense. Joe <laughs> the Biden. dude losing his fucking mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's Joe Biden. The dude who is mentally deficient. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of mental deficiency... <laughs> I don't think we've discussed this movie nearly as much as we normally do, but that's all in the aid of trying to keep this as a compact, fun-sized little episode. I also just wanted to note that this screenplay was written by Bong Joon-ho and a man named John Ronson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. Screenplay by John Ronson. Oh, I know John Ronson. John John Ronson's a... Yeah, John John Ronson's a journalist type dude that does... It's a a spoonerism for Ron Johnson. Which is a which is a real name. Ron Johnson is a real name. No, John Ronson did a whole book about factory farming. Yeah, probably. He actually did a whole movie about factory farming. (laughs) Um, Is it is it called the the psychopath test? Oh, he wrote the man who stare at goats. 
Yeah. Which is a movie that actually rules with uh, George right. Clooney. Um, yeah. Is, is that is that all? Is that all the time we got this I week? I think that's all we got time for. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know what you think of this little condensed, condensed uh, filet mignon. Very is that, good. A, is that a small steak? I don't know. I think it is, isn't it? Uh, I couldn't tell you. Don't eat them. <laughs> right. It's more of a steak, uh, and it's I've a never less eaten, of a steak and uh, more of a. I've never eaten a, a minion. <laughs> <laughs> but man, would they be delicious! I reckon minions are banana flavored, but that's just because of the color. They do look like it, yeah, for sure. Uh, right. So I think I think in terms of a better than worse stand. Um, oh, I, I hadn't thought about that at all. Uh, oh, well, movies that this reminded me of. You got your you got your, your Spielberg classics that I can't remember any of. You've got okay. uh, Sorry to Bother You, and you've got yep. Parasite. I yep. think that uh, my instincts say that I enjoy parts of this better than I enjoyed Sorry to Bother You, and I enjoyed Sorry to Bother You more in other respects, which right. is not a very fair... Uh, I don't know. I, I, no, I'm really not sure. I, I think that maybe I liked this better than I liked Sorry to Bother You. Um, okay. And, and that's, that's sort of where I sit there, but I can't think of a worse than. I, w- I would not s- agree with that, but sure. Um, okay. This, so this feels like I, I, I'm loath to say I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but, um, this does feel like a bit of a, uh, an animal companion movie. Um, and I can't really think of any great ones, but this was better than detective Pikachu, worse than sorry to bother you. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe chronologically. Yeah. Um, but this was definitely the best one of those types of movies I think I've ever seen. Um, I enjoyed Sorry to Bother You way more. So I'm going to say this was, for me, this was worse than Sorry to Bother You. Um, It was also worse for the record than Parasite. I think he did a much better job of that. Um, Um, I'm a big fan of all the Bong films I've seen, though. I really liked Snowpiercer as well. Like, I I don't don't think I've seen This was much better than Snowpiercer, I reckon. I think I probably almost like Snowpiercer better than this as well. Though. For me, this was also better than uh, actual footage of the killing of Osama bin Laden. <laughs> it's me, only because of the superior color. Much grading. more, much more of a narrative flow, and um, and yeah. Uh, and I think, and, and I the think we've actually got our episode more, title much more redeeming. <laughs> actual footage of the killing of Osama bin Laden, <laughs> episode, <Yeah>. episode eighty-one. <laughs> uh, that would be good. Um, or not. <laughs> um, let me quickly, ch- let me quickly check. Let me quickly check. Okay. Here's an interesting comparison. I think it was also worse than, uh, the shape of water, which is another film about like, and, yeah. and not, uh, and not English informed animal rights kind of thing, animal rights type thing, Explo- exploitative type, uh, type shit. Um, I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed Eating Animals, the Natalie Portman documentary about factory farming, although I found Eating Animals to be a lot more informative. It was a lot less emotionally compelling. So there's a okay, couple great. of interesting touch points for you, although it did remind me of it in terms of its like anti-factory farming stance. Yeah, right. Okay, well, there you go. Cool. There's a couple little uh, bits of food for thought, a couple morsels a couple. for... <laughs> uh, for, for macula... Con- no, macula... Is macula your eyes? Uh, ocular. Ocular. What's macula? I think that's like chewing. That would be um. Nah. Manual is with your hands. What's brain? What's brain? Mental. All right, that's it. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Th- thank okay. you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beef Station. Um, 
If you want to join us on Facebook, we've got facebook.com slash beefstationpod and the Beef Station Beef Posting Facebook group that's all linked in the description of the thing. You can email us if you have any suggestions. We're probably going to open the portal up for some more suggestions now that we've got uh, all this time on our hands and all this Netflix bullshit that we can be watching and we can't go out and see new movies. So if you've got any suggestions for us, um, email us. Made a massive list on Letterboxd of shit that I've got to watch. So if you message me and what you message me with is on Letterboxd, it'll shoot straight to the top of my list. I'll watch it immediately. <laughs> Great. So there if you've you, you got if you, any, any, any movies you want us to watch or anything you've seen recently that you think is good, uh, we'll get right on it. Uh, in the meantime, I think that's I think that's it for that's it for the week. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, I'm Oscar. I am Andrew. Have a macular week. Yeah, <laughs> have a macular <laughs> one. Ha, 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 ha.